0: So, hey, folks, I'm going to do the same thing I did for the first episode of The Wheel of Time and give you my initial thoughts the moment I have finished watching the first episode of Hawkeye, sitting on my couch, using my phone as a microphone. And guess what? I just finished watching the first episode of Hawkeye. And uh, my initial thoughts are it was all right. It was OK. I mean, it was fun. I had uh, I had some fun with it. It didn't really hit me with the impact of some of the other Marvel shows when I watched their first episodes, but uh, uh, I, I have—I still have big hopes for the show. Um, but right now, I'm just sitting here thinking about this first episode, and I'm like, eh, it was all right. It was fun. It was okay. But uh, how about we get a little bit deeper into it today on the Streaming Fool? <music> Hello and welcome to The Streaming Fool, the podcast that needs to keep its big mouth shut when it comes to making announcements about when episodes are going to release. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and yeah, I was supposed to release my talk on episode one of Hawkeye last week on Thursday, and then episode two on Friday, but I didn't. And frankly, I think we just need to get past it already, because today... I'm going to talk about both episodes, which might be kind of fun, right? Maybe, maybe not. Let's find out together. Episode one of Hawkeye landed on Disney Plus on Wednesday, November the 24th. It's entitled Never Meet Your Heroes. And as we always do around here, I'm going to give you the Wikipedia rundown before we dive in a little deeper. In 2012, during the Battle of New York, a young Kate Bishop witnesses Clint Barton battling the Chitauri and aspires to become a hero like him after he inadvertently saves her life, although Bishop's father is killed during the attack. In the present day, Barton spends time with his children in New York for Christmas. Bishop attends a charity auction gala with her mother, Eleanor, and learns that she is engaged to Jack Duquesne. Underneath the gala, she stumbles onto a black market auction featuring items recovered from the remains of the Avengers compound, finding Duquesne and his uncle Armand III among the attendees. The auction is interrupted by the Tracksuit Mafia, a Russian street gang who attempts to recover a watch among the items. Bishop recovers Barton's Ronin suit and defeats the tracksuit mafia members while wearing it. She escapes to her apartment after rescuing a stray dog and tracks down Armand to investigate further. Bishop discovers that Armand has been murdered in his own home and is cornered by the tracksuit mafia members after fleeing the crime scene. Barton, who saw a news report of the Ronin's return, rescues Kate from the gangsters. So yeah, I uh, as you heard there at the beginning of this episode, I thought this was okay. I was not uh, fully entranced by this episode. Um, I have watched it twice now, and I will say that the second time through, I wasn't bored. Typically, if I watch something that I'm just like, eh, about, and then I watch it again, I tend not to pay too much attention and possibly fall asleep or just read comics on my phone. I didn't find myself doing that this time. I seemed to be right there in it the whole time, even though I had just watched the episode for the first time a couple of days ago. So I don't know, maybe I liked it more than I thought I did. I know that when I watched the first episode to Loki and the first episode to the Falcon and Winter Soldier, I had a big old smile on my face. I was having a ball. I was at the edge of my seat. I was just right in there, enjoying every moment and i didn't get that feeling from this episode. Now, one thing that did change for me between viewing it the first time and viewing it the second time is that i finally finished reading Matt Fraction's Hawkeye run. And i know everybody see everybody refers to it as Matt Fraction and David Aja's run and while David Aja does do a bulk of the art on it, there there's a point there in the back half of the run where Kate Bishop leaves New York and leaves Hawkeye behind and she goes to LA. And so as the issues are coming out each month, one issue, one month will be about Clint and then with uh, art by David Aja. And then the next month, the issue will be about Kate Bishop in LA with a different artist. And I I uh, first of all, I have to admit I, I enjoyed the Kate Bishop storyline quite a bit in the comics and I don't really ever hear anybody talking about it so I just wanted to make sure I put that out there right here is that as much as I enjoyed the you know the Clint Barton portion of the storyline which is most of this most of the run the the little side story with Kate Bishop when she goes to LA is just it's just wonderful and I don't know if they released these books at that point if they were doing them bi-weekly or bi-monthly, you know, once every couple of weeks, or or what? I don't I don't know how it was coming out. I just found it weird that one issue would be Clint, the next issue would be Kate, the next issue after that would be Clint, and so on and so forth. And I have to imagine folks reading those monthly. I don't know. I I don't know how I would feel about that. You know, reading a, an issue uh, just all about Clint Barton and then not getting the next part of the story for another two months, unless again they released him. Every two weeks, if you got two up uh, two uh, uh issues a month. Then then I, I then I get it. I don't know. I wasn't reading them back then. I just I, I started the run a few weeks before Hawkeye came out, the TV show, and then I just finished it over the weekend and then gave the two episodes another watch. But uh maybe that helped me get back into the show the second time around, you know, maybe that helped me stay engaged. I don't know, but I still did quite enjoy the show. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying that I didn't like it. Uh, I did find that with this first episode, it's a lot. Most of it is about Kate Bishop. We get Clint hanging out with his family, uh, minus his wife. His wife is back home. He's basically with his kids enjoying a, uh, a pre-Christmas trip in New York. They're I guess they're just wanting to... I don't know if they came to New York specifically to attend the musical rogers which uh was a wonderful wonderful part of the episode when they're attending that musical about uh steve rogers and um i'll talk about that in a second but i don't know if that was their reasoning if that was the reason they came to new york it's like we're gonna go catch this musical i got some free tickets because of course part of the musical is about me uh and they just decided to hit some sites while they were there. But it's it's this first episode takes place six days before Christmas, and again, Clint's there with his daughter and his two sons, and they're they're supposed to be doing all the big Christmas stuff. They're going to go see the big tree in Rockefeller Plaza. They're going to uh, have a Christmas movie marathon in the hotel. They're going to wear ugly Christmas sweaters. You know, they're going to do the whole thing. But while they're off doing their thing that night, Kate Bishop, who we we actually get introduced to Kate at the very beginning of the episode in 2012 during the Battle of New York which is what happens in the very first Avengers movie. And we find that she she comes from a very wealthy family. Her and her her mother and father are in this penthouse apartment, very posh, very big, a lot of square footage, and her mom and dad are having an argument. She's listening to them through a vent in her room, but they're having an argument. Obviously it's about money because her mother Eleanor uh shouts out at one point that they have to sell the penthouse which her father does not want to do. Uh but then that's when um he they discover that she's listening in because she she dropped something and and it it's she's above them and they hear it hit the hit the floor and so he goes up to talk to her and he tells her not to worry they're not selling the 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 penthouse and then he says he's he's got some work to do he'll be in his office, which is part of the, the penthouse, you know, he's not going to the office. He'll be in his, his, his office there in the, in the penthouse. And so she goes down to see her mom and they're eating cookies or something. And they, they bond over her mother, uh, flipping a cookie in the air and catching it in her mouth. And we learn there's, there's all these trophies and whatnot in Kate's room and pictures of her and her father rock climbing and, and, uh, her father, uh, and her, you know, she she was winning trophies for um, martial arts and whatnot. And uh, anyway, her mother sends her back up to her room. She goes, "Go get the checkerboard, and we'll we'll play some checkers." And as she's up there, that's when the Chitari attack. And so they find themselves right in the middle of that big attack, which destroys a lot of New York, and it destroys most of their penthouse. And at one point, an entire outside wall, corner wall, is blown out of the uh, penthouse. And she's standing there looking out into, you know, the open air of New York City. And one of the Chitari, you know, the two or three of them are on one of those sky bike things and it starts flying toward her. It's like, I'm going to get this little girl. And she starts to, you know, she panics and she screams. But then Clint, who is on the building opposite up on the roof, and he's just randomly taking out Chitauri. He doesn't it's not like he sees that she's about to be attacked. He's just, he just shooting arrows at Chitauri and he takes out this particular sky sled. And then she sees him do that move that we see in the movie where he jumps off the building and shoots an arrow with a line, you know, a rope a cable in it and swings into the, uh, window, uh, below. And, uh, Things start getting worse, her mom comes and grabs her and they they take off and she can't find her dad. They they don't they don't know where her dad is. And then we go from there to her father's funeral, so her father apparently died during the attack and uh Kate at that point realizes that she has to do something to help protect her and her mother from Anything like this ever happening? And she asks her mom. You know, she says, "I have to protect us. I have to be better and 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 learn to protect us." And you know, she's just a little girl at this point. She might be twelve. And her mom says, "No, it's my job to protect you. Anything you need, I will I will do for you." And and Kate says, "I need a bow and arrow." And then we get this this uh, whole credit sequence that we don't get in the second episode, but it's it's more of a it's kind of a. They use it as an excuse to to run the opening credits, so we see the actors and actresses' names and director and writer and all that junk. But it's all animated, and it's to the style of David Aja's art in the book, and it's basically just showing all these achievements that Kate Bishop has over the the next ten years or so of her life. She's winning archery championships and and uh gymnastics and um, karate uh she she excels in all three of these areas and you know winning medals and all this junk and then when the credit sequence ends we are at the present day and Kate Bishop at this point is 22 years old she's in school she's in college and uh, we see her breaking into a building. Uh, where uh, across the way is something that is called Stain Tower, which apparently is named after Obadiah Stain from the Iron Man movies. And uh, she apparently has made a bet that she can ring the bell in this bell tower uh, using her bow and arrow. And she does so using a couple of trick arrows. But it also, apparently the bell is not supposed to ring anymore. It's an ancient clock slash bell tower. And she ends up destroying the tower. The bell. Uh, falls from its mounting, destroys the clock below it and part of the tower. And and, uh, she gets into some trouble for that. Uh, So she goes back to New York where her mother tells her basically that, of course, she's going to be punished. She's already canceled all of her credit cards. And uh, one thing she can do to help make up for uh, what has happened is for her to attend this charity auction gala. And it's when it's when she attends this gala that she learned. She knows that her mother is dating this guy named Jack Duquesne, and he is uh, in the comic books, if I remember correctly, he's the Swordsman. I think that's what his name was. He's the guy that basically worked for the carnival that Clint Barton was a member of, where Clint learned all his archery stuff. So the Swordsman kind of uh, trained him, taught him up, gave him, taught him everything he knew. And uh, he has been known as, as both a bad guy and a good guy throughout the comics. He's, he's kind of gone up and down. He's kind of flipped the coin a couple of times. But he's not, of course, referred to as the swordsman at all in this episode. But we do, uh, there are various swords on display throughout the apartment. And it's during the gala that Kate learns that her mother is engaged to Jack, she learns this from this old guy named Armand, and I don't remember Armand's last name, but he's Armand the Third, and he obviously does not like Kate's mom. It's very, it's a very uncomfortable scene because he's actually he actually says very mean things about Kate's mom to Kate's face, but he says it in such a way that it's obvious he's being mean, but he's saying it in a nice way. It's it's he he's just being a real jerk. Uh so when she learns that her mother is engaged, she confronts her mother, of course, and, and uh, Jack is there, and uh, she's like, I, I need some air. And so Kate leaves the building. She goes outside where she finds this dog with one eye who uh, runs away. She's just like, well, hey, pooch, and he just he, he takes off. She goes back inside to witness her mother in a back room talking to Armand, and it sounds like Armand is threatening her. Uh, she's done something to upset him. He reminds her that he too has powerful friends, uh, and then they they separate. Armand goes one way; she goes the other. Kate confronts her. Was that was that man just threatening you? And and his her mother's like, I I honestly don't know what what was what he was trying to say back there. But what are you doing down here? Come on, come on back up to the to the to the event. And Kate says, I'll be up in a second. And then she ends up following Armand down into the basement area of this building where it's like a wine cellar where they're doing another auction. And Jack is there with him. Jack is is uh, Armand's nephew. And the first thing up for auction is like a full Triceratops skull. Uh, and it's very obvious when, when whoever wins it, when the, the auctioneer says, and remember, this is for display in home only. And if asked... You have no idea where you found it. And everybody allows, ho, 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 how droll. Hoo, hoo hoo Droll, is that the right word? I don't know. I'm not I'm not up on the uh high society words. Anyway, uh the next item up for bid is the Ronin sword, which is the sword that uh Clint used in Endgame when he was the Ronin and he was taking out uh you know, it was during the blip his entire family had been blipped out of existence thanks to Thanos. And in his rage and despair, he decides to take all his anger out on the, the underworld. You know, he figures, why should why should my wife and children be gone? And these bad people are still around. I'm going to punish them. And he does so by hunting them down and killing them, dressed up as a ninja with the sword. We learn during this episode, though, that his sword is a retractable sword and does one of those very impossible things where the blade retracts into the handle uh, which it shouldn't be able to do. So I don't understand how that kind of stuff works. But Jack really wants the sword. Uh, he can't afford it though. So Armand gets it. And then the second, the, the third thing that then comes up for auction is the Ronin suit. And that's when the tracksuit mafia drive a uh, fricking truck through the wall. Uh, so at least one wall of this cellar is, is at ground level. And they drive a truck or a van or something through the wall and all these dudes in, in track suits and ski masks come out and they're looking for a watch and they're threatening everybody and, and uh, Jack is able to scoop up the Ronin sword during all the chaos and uh, Kate scoops up the Ronin outfit, the ninja costume, and she puts it on to, to fight back at the tracksuit mafia and to try to protect these people. And she does a fairly good job at it. She is, you know, she, again, she's very skilled. She's She earned her frickin' black belt uh, for karate when she was like 10 or something. And uh, she's like a master now at this point. And so she does a fairly good job at it. But there is, of course, a difference between knowing how to fight uh, and fighting in tournaments and then actually fighting for your life against people with guns. So she does make the odd mistake. but. She she manages to uh, save everybody in the building, you know, that where everybody escapes except for the her and the tracksuit mafia. And then she once everybody else is safe, she escapes. Um, When she gets out onto the street there, she finds the dog again, who is actually attacking one of the tracksuit mafia dudes who ends up finding the watch. We don't know what the watch is all about. We'll talk about that maybe here in a bit. But. The dog runs out into traffic. She runs out, flips over a car, grabs the dog, saves the dog's life, which is what Hawkeye or Clint did in the comic book. Um, and then she takes the dog back to her apartment, leaves the dog in her apartment, and then sets off to Armand's place. Uh, apparently, she, both she she works at the security firm that her mother owns. Her mother runs a security firm, and she's able to use their... They're they're tracking software to find out where Armand lives. And so she's still in the Ronin suit. She breaks into Armand's apartment and finds him dead on the floor. She, of course, skedaddles. And once she's back out on the street, she is then confronted by the tracksuit mafia who has followed her. And she gets into another fight. And she, again, she's kind of holding her own, but she can't quite. I mean, in the end, regardless of her skill level, again, she's not she doesn't have practice being in real honest to God fights. She's, she's, uh, she's trained in, in a, in more of a tournament style fighting. So when she's fighting actual dudes who are twice her size, you know, she's still in essence, a little girl, you know, she's 22 years old, but compared to these dudes, they, you know, they, they're each guy makes up two of her basically. And so she, she gets, she, she tries to escape and she jumps into a, a, she finds a parked car, that's unlocked and she jumps into it and she locks the doors and I guess she's trying to figure out how to get it started. Uh, and one of the, the tracksuit mafia dudes punches the window out on the driver's side. But before they can take her, somebody shows up, beats them all up, drags her out of the freaking car, pulls her into an alley, throws her up against the wall. We see that it's Clint. He rips her mask off and he's about to punch her in the face and he sees that it's a girl and a young girl at that. And he just says, come on, who the hell are you? And then that's how that episode ends. And it was, again, it was, it was quite fun. It was an enjoyable. I am, I have, a, you know, I'm looking back on it and and it was kind of a fun episode. I didn't have the same reaction I did with some of the other shows, you know, most especially Loki and um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, but still it was an enjoyable episode. And it raised a couple of questions. First of all, I you know I don't think this is going to be something that a lot of people are going to be talking about in trading theories but I want to know how Clint <laughs> tracked her down. I want to know how Clint in all of freaking Manhattan how did he find her? You know, I want to know how that was possible, but he did. You know, he's he used to be in Shield so whatever. But some of the questions that come up are uh what is the watch that the Tracksuit Mafia were after that they found? It was marked as being in the Avengers compound that was destroyed during Endgame, but uh, I have no idea what this watch is. Was it uh, a bit of tech from Tony Stark? You know, can is is some of his armor going to pop out of this watch? I, I just don't know. I don't know what's going on with this watch. Um, in the comics, or at least the comics I read, I'm not all that versed on Kate Bishop, but just based on the the this Hawkeye run I just finished her father is alive and her mother is not. In the TV show, her father has died, but her mother is alive. In the comic, her father turns out to be a bad guy. So I'm wondering, you know, he he works for for organized crime and whatnot. So I'm wondering if her mother is involved as well and if she might be behind the tracksuit mafia. Don't know. Uh, There's some hints, of course. Uh, And then what is uh, old Jack Duquesne doing mixed up in all of it. What's what's What role does he play in all of this? Now, episode two of Hawkeye, it also landed on Disney Plus on Wednesday, November 24th. It's entitled Hide and Seek, and here's what Wikipedia has to say about it. Bishop takes Barton back to her apartment, but it is attacked by the tracksuit mafia. The pair is forced to evacuate, leaving the Ronin suit behind. After relocating to the apartment of Bishop's vacationing aunt, Barton sends his children back home, promising to return by Christmas Day. He escorts Bishop to her workplace, then recovers the Ronin suit from a firefighter named Grills at a LARP event. Later, Bishop fails to convince Eleanor of Duquesne's involvement in Armand's death. After challenging Duquesne to a fencing duel, she tries to contact Barton, not knowing that he has allowed himself to be captured by the tracksuit mafia. She tracks down Barton's location, but ends up being captured herself. And the gang informs their boss, Maya Lopez, of Barton and Bishop's captivity. So this one was this one was a bit more fun. Uh, we get more of Clint doing what Clint does. So that's, I mean, that's kind of why I... I wanted to watch this originally because I'm I've always been a big Hawkeye fan. I've always leaned toward characters who, you know, superhero characters in comic books that don't have superpowers, but I've always really liked the Archer. I Green Arrow is one of my favorite DC characters, probably in my top 5, and I have always enjoyed Hawkeye in the comics. However, the Clint Barton of the MCU is drastically different. Than the Clint Barton in the comics, they're they're just two completely different characters. The only thing they have in common are their names, uh, the fact that they are archers. Um, I mean, the, the, their personalities even are are quite different. Uh, the Clint Barton of the comics always seemed to get himself into trouble quite often, and uh, could be a bit of a wisecracker and a bit of a smartass and and a bit of an a hole, frankly. Um, The Clint Barton of the MCU, I like him, but he's just not the same as the one in the comics. But I enjoyed this episode a lot more. Uh, Again, they go back to Kate's apartment where uh, we meet the dog who's there. She calls him the pizza dog because uh, so far, the only thing he has eaten since she's had him is pizza. In the comics, he is referred to as Lucky the pizza dog, though he has a tag that uh, names him Arrow. And he is apparently in the comics was once owned by one of the members of the tracksuit mafia. So Clint, his only goal is getting that Ronin suit back. He is very worried that since she was seen out in public with it on, that people might come after her because of what Ronin had done in the past and has made a lot of enemies in the underworld. She assures them that no one saw her with her mask off, uh, that no one knows who she is. But yet we quickly discover that when she originally went from the auction back home to drop off the dog, that the tracksuit mafia had followed her. And they are there now. And they start throwing uh, Molotov cocktails into the the apartment. Uh, There's a really good moment where Uh, Clint runs up to the window and they 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 toss one of the Molotov cocktails up to the window and he he grabs it and throws it right back at him. Um, And then when another one is getting ready to throw one, uh, Kate is standing behind him and she fires an arrow through the window and and it hits the the bottle that the, the Molotov cocktail is in. But I think the 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 best part of this entire episode was Clint going LARPing. So the here's how that happened. So the apartment catches fire because of the Molotov cocktails, and they have to get out before they burn to death, and they cannot get to the suit because there is fire between them and the suit. The sprinklers are going off, however, and so Clint feels confident that the suit is... Is not going to, you know, that they can come back for the suit later, and if not, it's going to burn up in a fire. In the fire, and then that'll just be that'll solve all the problems. So they are, uh, they they stop at a like a, a bodega to pick up some some uh, medical supplies, you know, band and and rubbing alcohol and, and bandages and whatnot because they've they've both been fairly beat up and whatnot. And uh, she takes him to her aunt's apartment, who is on vacation. Uh, and that's where the, that's what they're going to use as their safe house. And then he goes back out, uh, to, to, to try to get the, to the suit. He goes back to the apartment, which it had the, the fire department is there. The fire has been put out. He could have easily, this is, I don't know if, I don't know if this is just part of his character or not, but he could have easily just walked up to one of the, uh, firemen and, and said, Hey, I'm a, here's my Avengers card. I need to get something out of that apartment and I'm sure those dudes have been like, "Yeah, fine, go ahead." But he wants to keep it all on the DL. So he snatches up a a a firefighter's coat and helmet and he he gets into the apartment and he can't find that freaking the, the suit's gone. But he notices that there's a sticker on the fire engine that says NYC Larpers. And uh so he goes back to uh he goes back to 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 get his kids home so that he can stay in New York and and complete his mission, which is to, to get the suit and make sure that Kate's safe. And he looks up the NYC LARPers and finds that they're having an event that next day, that next morning in a Central Park. Uh, he escorts Kate to work. He wants her to stay home at this at her aunt's apartment, but Kate convinces him that she needs to go to work because her mother, who owns this security firm, would freak out if she doesn't show up at work and would come looking for her. She goes to work. While she's at work, she gets a call from the police who want to see her the next day. Uh, she also confronts uh Jack. Uh, just she's just kind of in his face. He he is, of course, trying to play the whole, you know, I'm just I'm I'm not here to uh replace your father and I bought a book on how to be a stepfather and stuff. But you can you can see it in his face. He's not hiding the fact that he's not a good dude. Uh and she knows it. Uh Eleanor may even know it because she's not she may be not a good person either and so she just may not care. But Kate agrees to Kate agrees to meet them at Eleanor's place. Well now it's Eleanor and Jack's place for dinner that night. In the meantime Hawkeye goes to this place where all the larpers are doing their larping. If you're not sure what a larp is, it's a live action role playing. So it's people who are dressing up in costume and instead of sitting around a table and role playing they're just doing it you know live action they're they're fighting with with uh foam swords and and realistic costumes and all this junk and and uh Clint had seen a video from this this group uh from this guy who obviously stole the costume and so or the not the the suit the ronin suit so he's there to get the suit back but he can't just they won't allow him regardless of the fact that he is Hawkeye they know who he is But they just won't allow him to come in and, you know, into their area where they're LARPing and talk to the dude. The only way he can do it is to sign up to be a LARPer. And so he has to put on this fake armor. And it it, was a real shame because the lady says, here are your armaments, sir. And she holds up this armor in one hand and a helmet in the other. And inside, glued to the inside of the helmet is long blonde hair. And I really wish he would have worn that but he didn't. And so basically he has to wade through all the LARPers who are fake fighting and he has to fake fight all of them and get through all of them just to get to this dude to get the suit back. And the dude agrees, I'll give you the suit, but you got to do me a favor. You got to let me kill you. And you've got to do it in, you know, fake kill you. You've got to do it in fake uh, ritualistic combat. And Clint's like, look, man, come on, just give me the suit. And the guy's like, Look, you don't understand. You're a superhero. You're a real superhero. This is the closest that I'm ever gonna come. And so Clint's like, all right, all right, let's do this. And so all the LARPers gather together and they go and they start the fight. There's one dude. <laughs> there's one dude standing off to the side. And every time their fo- their foam swords come into contact with each other, this guy's standing off to the side going, cling, cling, cling making the sound effects which kind of throws Clint off for a bit but then finally he allows the dude to kill him and he gets the suit and the guy tells him that his name is Grills and uh you know this is supposed to be very you know it's supposed to be based on Matt Fraction and David Aja's run and i would say it's very loosely based on their run so far the only similarities are the fact that it's in New York it's at christmas time the tracksuit mafia are a part of it and uh, Clint and Kate are in it with the dog. Otherwise, the actual story, the the whole premise, the 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 reason they're doing what they're doing, it's all completely different. In the comic book, it's uh, it's all about how Clint uh, buys this buys the building that he's living in because it's owned by the tracksuit mafia, and they're trying to kill to, uh, kill they're trying to kick all the people out, and so Clint just buys it out from under him. And becomes the landlord, and then just you know gets to gets to know all these people, and tries to you know tries to defend it you know in the end from the from the tracksuit mafia and all the bad guys and whatnot, and it's all just basically a a big lesson uh, about how he needs to stop trying to do things all his on his own. He he needs to learn how to ask for help. Whereas this is, is you know I don't know if maybe that lesson will be baked into the the show at some point, but. Right now it has nothing to do with him owning a building. It's all about him trying to get this suit back and then we're going to find out why the tracksuit mafia ultimately is involved, why they wanted this watch. Right now they're involved because they're trying to to uh kill the Ronin who uh broke who tried to break up their their heist the night before. So he gets his suit back and he calls his wife and th- th- his his call with his wife was was really nice because it it shows that he he basically he has no secrets from her. She knows that he was the ronin while they were blipped out of existence. She knows what he's done. She knows a lot about him, you know, the stuff that he's done as a as a shield agent. You know, it, he mentions that the tracksuit mafia is involved and she's like, "Ah, oh, those idiots." So, he shares his life, that part of his life with her, which I, you know, which for me uh, felt very real. You know, if I was, if I was him, I would be, you know, I would be telling my wife all that stuff, you know, here's, well, here's what I did today. You know, while you were gone, when, when, a when a mad Titan alien, uh, godlike being blipped you out of existence, I went around and killed a bunch of bad people. You know, he shares this stuff with his wife. And I think that's, I think that's really nice. It's, it it, it really endeared me much more to the character. Uh, but he tells her that he needs to. He he needs to find out who actually is behind all of this because he knows it's more than just them. And so he's like, "She's she says, so what's the plan? And he goes, catch and release. And she says, ah, oh, one of Natasha's old, old tricks. And it's something that we saw at the beginning of the Avengers when she was uh, captured by those Russians and you discover that she had been captured on purpose so that she could take him out. And that's kind of what he's doing. He's going to allow himself... To be taken captive by the tracksuit mafia just to learn who is in charge, who the boss is. He wants to talk to the boss. And he's confident enough in his own abilities that he will allow him he will allow himself to be put in that position because he know he he knows that he's gonna be able to, to, to get out of it. Just like the black widow Natasha in that first Avengers movie when we first meet her in, in the Avengers movie. So while all this is happening, he just he just kind of sets himself up. He just kind of sets up shop out in front of some building. I think it's in front of her building. Until they roll up on him and and, and take him captive. Well, in the meantime, she's having uh, Kate Bishop. She's having dinner with her mother and Jack, and she's asking Jack about all the swords and and wants to know if he fences. And, and he says he he's dabbled. And so she challenges him to a a fencing match. And, uh, so they, they do, they get their, their equipment on and they, they clear out a little area in this room and they start to fence. And she keeps, uh, tagging him basically. And every time she does, he's like, Oh, you are very good. And she's like, Stop letting me win. You, you let that happen. And she knows he's better than he's letting on. And she wants to prove to her mother that he is at least lying about something. If she can show her mother that he's lying about being uh, uh, you know, a, a swordsman, a sword master, then maybe she can convince her mother that he's lying about something else. And so she ends up when they they kind of finish one of their rounds and he he pulls his, his fencing little helmet mask thing off. And while he's not looking, she tries to stab him in the face, which, of course, he blocks without even looking. And and her her mother, of course, yells at her, wow, you tried to stab him in the face. And she says that's because I knew he could block it. I knew he was lying and I've just proved that he he was lying and and he he's kind of amused uh, he's amused and exasperated at the same time. He says I'm going to go change my clothes and he leaves. And so Kate just kind of lays into her mom and she's like, "Can't you see that he's not a good guy? He is a bad guy. Her uncle Armand was killed by being stabbed by a sword." Don't you find that uh a little more than coincidental and her mom of course is not hearing any of it and so she tries to uh well at at one point our, uh uh Jack offers her like afterwards he's like he's like it's, it's okay don't don't I I understand she's trying to test my boundaries and all this junk or whatever and, and then he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a caramel and he goes caramel and offers it to her. Well, she found a bowl of the same caramels in Armand's house. And she knows they're Armands because the frickin' rapper has his name on it, Armand III, and which she found really odd. Now, I don't know why she would suddenly see him with one of these caramels and just automatically assume, ha ha, he killed Armand. Because, I mean, he is Armand's nephew, so why wouldn't he be in the man's house why wouldn't he have some of the man's caramels? But anyway, she's young. She doesn't quite know everything yet, but she takes that as proof that Armand is involved, or that that jo- Jack, Jack, Jacques, however you want to pronounce it, he's involved. And so she uh, gets in a cab to, to head home and she tries calling Clint because Clint gave her uh, his number. And she calls and he doesn't answer because at this point he has been taken captive by the tracksuit mafia. And she, uh, she leaves a message saying she's got a couple of clues and she wants to talk to him about it. And, and then she hangs up and then calls right back thinking if I, I'll call right back and then he'll answer. And, and somebody does pick up the phone, but it's not Clint. And he says, he says, Clint cannot come to the phone right now. And so she realizes that Clint is in trouble. She uses again, this software, the security software that she has on her phone to track, clint's phone using his number uh and she finds out where he is and then she suits up grabs her bow and arrow and goes after him and she botches it up he is he he's tied to a chair the the entire tracksuit mafia is there and he's he's like look i just want to talk to your boss and they think it's funny you you don't tell us what to do we tell you what to do we've got the guns you're tied up you're you're at our mercy and he shows them quickly that that he's not tied up. He shows that he has freed himself. And he's like, you know, I just want to talk to your boss. And they're asking him who who is Kate Bishop. We want to know who Kate Bishop is. And he goes, I have no idea who that is. And then she comes crashing through the skylight. And uh, then they the the tracksuit mafia handcuff them to to these like little child uh, little frog rides or something. And and uh, they're like, how oh, we got you now, bro which they say bro all the time in the comics. They don't say it as often in the show as they said it in the comics. And, and some, sometimes he'd be go, hey, bro, I got you, bro, bro. I got bro, bro. They just say it all the time. They don't say it as often in the show. But still, he wants to talk to their leader. the The main Russian dude goes off into another room where we find a woman listening to music. But She's listening to music by holding her hand against the speaker and feeling the vibrations. This is, as the Wikipedia description says, this is Maya Lopez. She is from the comics. She is a character named Echo. She was, I believe, first introduced in Daredevil uh, during one of the Daredevil runs. She was working for the Kingpin. She has uh, basically the same ability as the Taskmaster, uh, photographic Uh, reflexes where she can see somebody do something and then she can do it. She can watch uh, Beethoven play his piano and then she can play just as well as him. She can watch Daredevil fight and then she can fight just as well as him. And she's also uh, deaf. She cannot hear, which is why she had her hand to the speaker. Uh, So this is, based on what they're telling us in the second episode, the end of the second episode, this is our big bad I don't think this is our big bad. I think she's working for somebody else. I think she's working for either Eleanor or Jack. But of course, there's a theory going around that because she worked for the Kingpin in the comics, that this is going to be where we uh, have the Kingpin introduced in the MCU, hopefully played by Vincent D'Onofrio, who played him in the Marvel TV shows with uh, you know Daredevil. Uh, apparently there's a rumor that uh, Charlie Cox, who played Daredevil, is going to be uh, in Spider-Man No Way Home as Matt Murdock. So the hope is if that is true, then maybe Vincent D'Onofrio will show up in this show as the Kingpin. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I'm finding more often than not, That whenever some of these big, you know, crazy, and it's not a crazy theory, but whenever some of these theories are thrown around, they don't seem to fall out there. I I think we're going to have somebody who is above Echo or Maya Lopez, but I don't think it's going to be the Kingpin. Or if it is, we're not going to see him in this show. We've only got four episodes left. There's only six episodes in this season I don't know if there's going to be a second season like there was with Loki. I don't know if this is going to be a standalone, which uh, WandaVision and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, from what I understand, were just standalones. There aren't going to be second seasons to those, possibly. Uh, so I don't know about this one. But I am looking forward to the the next episode, episode number three, which will be coming out the day that this episode of The Streaming Fool comes out. So hopefully on Thursday, you'll get my talk on episode three of Hawkeye. Until then, folks, hey, do me a favor. Do something for me. Can you do something for me? If you're listening to this episode through Apple Podcasts, can you just rate the show? Can you do it? Can you do that for me? A little tap. There's a, there, it's, 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 I can't speak. It's all very easy. You just tap a star, one through five. You rate it from one star to five stars, one being the worst, five being the best. I've got two ratings up there. I think I need at least 25 before my show, The Streaming Fool, starts showing up in various lists and whatnot on Apple Podcasts before people uh, can can see it more easily. And so you would be doing me a big favor if you'd go out there and, and rate that show. But hey, until then, folks, my name is Steven, and I am The Streaming Fool, or at least I will be, Uh, until the end of the year. Who knows what's going to happen in 2022. (laughs) That was dumb.